The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. All right, so Adam, I mean, it's been a long time coming, but this is awesome to finally get a chance to chat with you. No, man, this is awesome. Finally get a chance to connect. This is great. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. You were among my bucket list interviews, and I remember the day I made that list. You were actually doing the A's game on TV, and I'd just gone to commercial, and then I got a DM from you. I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> That's it's, Man, that feels like such a long time ago, too. Oh, it really was. It was I only know. like four or five months ago, but it feels like, such, like, a, like an eternity. It does. Yeah, it feels forever ago, baseball season in general. But yeah, I was, I was going to say, before we kind of jump into it, I love the social media. I love the Instagram stories, but like the pregame notes before NFL games and Bulls games. I think it's really cool when you kind of give us that look, I guess, basically into your world a little bit. No, I like it. It's it's nice to be able to share like that we're not just handed this stuff. Like we're not making it up as we go. And listen, sometimes we screw stuff up or I have problems contextualizing, you know, one idea or one story or one concept or one note with another one. And, and sometimes there's a disconnect and, and you screw it up and, you know, that happens. Like I, I think we were doing, um, the Rockets game a couple of weeks ago or last week. And I, for some reason, like I've covered Victor Oladipo a dozen times, but for some reason I said he was drafted by the, by the thunder instead of saying he was drafted by the magic, like, and in my head, like that made sense in the moment. Somebody pointed it out. And I was like, I can't believe I even said that. Like, why would I say that about a guy who had been drafted three years prior by a different team? Like, I know that in my head, I know that, you know, in my brain and it's in my notes properly. Why didn't it translate? And it just sometimes happens, but like, that's part of the risk you take when you, like I do my own research and, and sometimes you just hope that everything, you know, is firing off correctly and you, and you remember everything you're supposed to remember and it connects the way you want it to connect when you're telling a story. And, and sometimes it, uh, it doesn't happen, but more often than not, because we put all this work in it, it usually, it, I hope it translates. Like, I hope the work that we put in Stacy, myself, uh, Jason and Kendall and Will and everybody who works on these games, I hope that knowledge does translate properly because we do put actual work and time and, and effort and, and investment into that stuff. Yeah, I think it shows for sure. I mean, I have the slightest, I mean, I barely know what all goes into it, but I just know I've, I've loved doing the whole podcast thing and just chatting with guys like you and Dan Shulman and whoever. So I really appreciate what you guys put into your broadcasts. I know with uh, Lindsey Zarniak and Mark Schleyer on the NFL, I've been, you know, I've been keeping tabs on you guys when I can watch the games when they're up, when you guys are on out here in Virginia. So I appreciate what you guys do. So I think it's cool. No, thanks, man. I know Lindsey would appreciate it too, being one of Virginia's finest. She's a, right, she's a proud yeah. Virginia person. So I remembered her from the sports machine back in the day. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she had some good stories about that. Yeah, definitely. So I did. I was curious, actually. So talk about how weird it's been covering games, the NFL, baseball, the NBA in a pandemic, no fans. I mean, I'm sure it's still, even though we're kind of used to it, obviously, I, I'm sure it's still weird. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I sense it more now doing basketball. Uh, I didn't sense it as much, even in the one, pl- you know, we did a playoff series uh, during the baseball playoffs where we actually got to be there in Houston in person. Uh, like even that didn't feel very odd to me doing football all year. Didn't really feel that odd to me. Basketball. I can really feel it. Cause it's a closed space, you know, like even like, again, we were in Houston. It's a dome, like at Minute Maid park, but like, I didn't feel we're so far away, you know, like, and even now doing games at the United center, 
in Chicago for Bulls home games because we do the road games out of a studio. Like doing those games, it's still a little, it's more odd because I almost feel like when we speak, like, and Stacey and I are energetic, like we have a good time, we like talking, like we like joking, we like laughing. So when we have those moments, I almost kind of feel self-conscious. Like, is Kobe White going to hear me and Stacey laughing about something when he's taking a shot and he thinks we're laughing about him? Like, I, I know that's not the case, but it just feels that way because we're still connected enough and we're still close enough and, and we're in an enclosed space consistently that it makes it feel that way. So, like, Stacey and I were talking about that the other night during a home game. Like, man, it's, it's still a little odd generating this energy in a place where you're – like you're sitting in an arena expecting energy to come to you, you know, cause that's how it's been for 15 years of my life doing this job in some capacity. And for Stacy, you know, I'm sure it feels the same way. Whereas like when we're in a studio, like we know we have to bring our own energy. We know we have to create it because like, we're well aware that this is abnormal. Like we're not in the place. We're not in a studio. So let's do the things we have to do to make it feel normal. Whereas in a stadium, you're expecting, like if you're in a stadium with 20,000 seats or a stadium with 70,000 seats for a football game, you're expecting some energy be, energy to be reciprocated from that, from those spots, from those seats, and it's not happening. So that's that. I think that's been the big, I think, disconnect between you know doing games this way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like you said, being in the enclosed environment, and I, you know, I'm watching. I, I'm used to now. I'm watching games on TV, and it seems normal. I, I hear the fake yeah. crowd noise, but at the same time, I see the empty season baseball and hockey and arenas and basketball arenas, and it's like, yeah, yeah it's I'm used to it now, but it's still kind of weird. Yeah, I think football we got used to it really, really quickly, just because we knew we were going to watch. Everybody still watches. Like ratings haven't really gone down that much for any reason. For if they have, it's been a little bit. You know, I think Al Michaels once said, "You go from number one to number one, what a drop." But like. I think we got used to it very fast because we knew we were going to watch NFL games. It's, it's part of, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, woven into American culture now at this point, whereas basketball, you know, the subset of us that it's a large subset, obviously, but the subset of us that love the NBA, like you have to get used to it a little bit. And only now is it going to be closer to the forefront of American sports because college basketball is lacking a little bit of direction and once the Super Bowl is over, the only pro sports out there right now, really, that people again amongst the four major ones. I don't want to upset soccer fans or anything. It's just not my. It's not, <laughs> right. it's not my bag. That's okay. Same. Uh, yeah. But like for me, like football and hockey or uh, basketball and hockey are like the two main sports that come to mind. And for me, it's the NBA. I don't really pay that much attention to hockey. So like now, I'm really like even I'm going to start paying more attention to other games, and I'm sure fans are going to do the same. So we're all kind of like navigating this. Uh, this kind of cultural process, you know, in a, in a very interesting fashion. I think too, uh, you know, I was talking about hockey real fast. I remember I was watching the game last night and Eddie O for the Blackhawks was doing the game for NBC. And, you know, I'm so used to them or I, I I'm used to thinking like they're in a studio. Like you just said, you're kind of remotely in a studio yep. and it's like you watch the game and it sounds natural. It's almost, I wonder if going forward, even when we get back to hopefully normal and I'm sure everybody wants to get back to stadiums again at the same time, maybe, you know, it's like, well, we can do it remotely if we have to now. Yeah, I mean, and, and I started doing games like this in 2016, you know, for ESPN. We were already doing stuff like this. And Big Ten Network's been doing it for way longer. They've been doing it, you know, for a decade at this point. So it, it's not as if the option wasn't there before. I think out of necessity, the option was used. And for, I, I don't know how, I, I was going to say the words large majority, but I don't know if that's accurate but I do feel like a large group of people, it might be a majority. It might not be 
I don't think they care. You know, I, I really don't think most fans care. I don't think a lot of them can tell the difference. You know, I, the, the, where I, where I sense the most difference is when guys are doing games from home and like, I was, I, I remember texting Beth Moens at one point, like she was calling a game from home as college football game. And I could tell that she was at home because I could feel the delay between her commentary which I'm sure she's reacting to whatever's on her screen in her, in her, in her house in real time. So she's speaking to what she's seeing in proper uh, sync, but because of latency and because of video coming from Connecticut to, or, or the videos coming, let's say she's doing the game from Utah or the Utah, the game is in Utah. The, the picture is going from the cameras in Utah to the studio in Connecticut back to her house in San Diego. And then she's reacting. And then her audio is going back to Connecticut. It's amazing that it's as sharp and tight as it is within a second, let's say, but that's still a second that I can tell. And it throws me off and it takes me out of the moment a little bit. So my hope is that executives, networks, all that stuff recognize that having at least the announcers on site makes a big difference in the presentation of it and the reaction of it. But I also understand that until you get fans back and until it's back to quote unquote normal, whatever it is, you're never going to get all these elements back anyway. So why, you know, maybe some executives or networks are like, well, let's just wait until everything's normal and then we'll try to get back to that at some point. I'm sure that's, that's one line of thinking to it. So my only hope is that whatever I say, whether it's out of a studio or on site is in sync with the picture that you are watching. Like, that's all I care about. Like when we were doing baseball games for Fox during the summer out of a studio and I'd go back and see a highlight, it was really frustrating because there was a, a separation. It wasn't a lot. It was maybe a half a second or a second, but it was really annoying to me as somebody who has built their career off of being very good rhythmically as a broadcaster. That's frustrating to know that even though I'm calling the game as I see it in sync, knowing that the actual product is out of sync is frustrating to me as a broadcaster. I really appreciate that insight though, because you know, like I was saying, I watch the games on TV and it seems normal. It seems great. You guys have it all together, but just from my own experience with podcasting stuff, I, I hear little mistakes, the stuff that I wish was different in some way. No one's going to know, but I'll know. And it bugs me. So I totally get that. I totally, I mean, in my whatever, not compared to what you're talking about, but I no, totally no, understand what you're saying. Absolutely. So I, I like, you know, it's, that makes a lot of sense. So I was curious. So, um, what's it been like for you covering the uh, Chicago Bulls? I was, uh, I got an email from, uh, our assistant GM today and we were just catching up. Um, good guy's name, Steve. And, uh, he, he was just like, Hey, I enjoyed this thing that you and Stacy were joking about the other night. Hope everything's going well. And I just responded with like, the whole thing feels like home, which I, I think fits. I mean, it's home. It legitimately is home. Like I'm, I, I'm a eight minute drive to the stadium. I'm a six minute drive to the studio that we do the road games from. Like, it feels natural. It feels like, you know, comfortable. It feels uh, like it fits. And part of it too was the the ramp up. You know, being able to fill in, work with Stacy, work with these producers and graphics people and directors. Like I know them. Like we did ten games or eight games, whatever it was. You know, ten games over a couple of years. So at least I had some experience. I knew I was going to feel that wasn't going to be a problem. Like. I'm going to work well with this producer and director. I'm going to work well with Stacy. I'm going to work well with the crew. And I know this team enough and I know the league enough because I've been covering it long enough. So 
all those like baseline elements got knocked out. The rest of it was just like getting used to calling a game for a team and what was the routine day to day prep wise. And like, that was, that was more of the learning curve than anything else. And just through that learning curve, learning what, what comfort is for me in terms of broadcasting frequently for the same team. And it, I haven't had to do that in gosh, probably 10 years, you know, 10, 11 years, the last time I worked for a team. So like, once I got past that, it felt very easy. And I, I'm not saying that the job is easy. I'm saying my feelings about it, my comfort level, like it just fits. And again, like I said, I'm sure part of that is being from here. Part of that is knowing this team as well as I do as a fan, like growing up with this team. Uh, the guy that I work with was one of the players on the three title teams that I was a kid, like watching intently. So like I have this, all this connectivity and I just wasn't sure. I knew that when I got hired, I just didn't know how it was going to translate. And so far, you know, I don't know what fans feel and like how they perceive it. And they're certainly uh, of course entitled to feel however they want. They may like it. They may not. That's okay. But I feel good. I feel good in the job. I enjoy the job. It feels like a, a fit, you know, and I was, that was, that's all I was really hoping for. And, and so far it's delivered. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that story. And yeah, you seem like a natural fit. Whenever I see you on TV doing any game, it's like, that's awesome. Like you're ESPN, Fox, Bulls, whatever. It's like, this is cool. So I appreciate it. So I know you covered a lot of Buccaneers games this year. I don't think you caught the Chiefs this year. Did no, you? The schedule didn't no, the, the final four, the so, Chiefs were the only team I hadn't seen. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I was looking at the broadcast schedule throughout the uh, yesterday. I was looking through. I was like, I, okay, you've seen the Bucks a lot. So yeah. I was curious about your thoughts on the Super Bowl preview or on the Super Bowl, kind of like a little preview, uh, how you kind of see that kind of shaping up between Tampa and Kansas City. I mean, offensively, I, Kansas City is who they are. Like they're they're aggressive. They uh, have all the skills skill sets like covered throughout their lineup. Uh, I know they've had some offensive line issues in terms of injury, which obviously are something Eric Fisher got hurt, but uh, it, which obviously may help Tampa Bay, which has a really good pass rush and really good outside linebackers. And, you know, their front's really good. Um, but in terms of trying to limit Patrick Mahomes, like you get, he lulls you in a lot of ways. Uh, I think part of the reason he's hard to defend is because he has the ability and it's a unique ability. There's not many quarterbacks ever that have had this ability, but they have, he has the ability to lull you to sleep because he's done so many spectacular things from that position in the, just the last three years that we've gotten used to a certain level of like a, a certain baseline quality to what Mahomes does. So when he does like these kind of no look shovel passes to Kelsey up the middle, like we've seen it a couple of times. So we're like, all right, that's just Pat Patrick Mahomes. Like that's just that's just part of his game. So you can kind of get lulled to sleep by those things, which are truly spectacular compared to like relative to like the position and how it was played for thirty years. And he's doing some things that like we just haven't seen in a long time. So you kind of get lulled to sleep by that. And then it's his ability to improvise. Like that's the other way where he's deadly. Like you can get lulled to sleep by some of the, by, by his high level of baseline quality because it's expected. And then you remember, Oh, I still have to defend that. And it's much harder to defend than, you know, his baseline efficiency is harder to defend than most other quarterbacks baselines, which are down here. And Mahomes is up here. So 
with those elements in place and because he has so many uh, release valves to kind of operate with Kelsey and Hill and, you know, when they're healthy, uh, uh, Sammy Watkins, and he's got like three receivers that are all, you know, capable of doing something that's hard to defend. So that's the biggest issue for Tampa Bay. They've had struggles with teams that can out leverage them. Like their linebackers, Barrett, white Levante David. They're so fast. They're, they're some of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. And what Mark Schlereth would always tell me, cause we did, as you said, we did a ton of Tampa. We did four or five, yeah, four Tampa Bay games this year. And at various points, week two, week three, week seven, week 15. So like, we really saw the evolution of this offense and Brady and Arians, how they got better. But like they, the, the thing I noticed on defense the most was they had trouble with teams that were just as quick because they would get you, you could get them flowing one way. And they're so good in that linebacker flow to get to the ball carrier, to get to a wide receiver on a screen that if you're able to counter that or throw back against it, then you have the ability to out leverage them or use their leverage to your advantage. And I think Kansas city is one of the teams that is so fast at almost every position on offense, including Mahomes, that I think that's a major problem for Tampa Bay's defense. Now you have to execute that. That's the other thing. Like in principle, that's exactly what you need to do, but can you execute that in the biggest game of your life for a lot of these guys? That'll be the biggest question. Yeah. Who do you think will end up winning that game? <sighs> Man. Um, I'm rooting for Tampa Bay in the sense that like I've enjoyed watching the evolution of the team. And when you've been around people and when you've spoken to people, you naturally have a little bit more investment in them. So I like, I'm kind of rooting for Tampa Bay in that sense, just because we were around Arians and Fournette and Mike Evans and like Levante David and Devin White. Like you kind of get to know some of these guys a little bit in whatever right. sense that you're getting to know them, Brady included. Uh, in that mix. I think Kansas city is just, is just so scary. Good. I really do. Like they scare me like Buffalo. Buffalo was one of the few teams that I felt could like slug with them and they shut them down. You know, like they shut their offense down for three and a half quarters. So it's really hard for me to pick against Kansas city right now, just with the way they're playing. But I'm, I, I do think we'll have a much better like game than, than maybe some of the lines are showing. So, I do think it'll be close, and I mean, for me, it's just the Brady factor. I mean, I, I do. It's hard for me to pick against Brady or Mahomes. Yeah. I think Kansas City would win, but yeah, I mean, Brady. It's just hard. It's hard to count the guy it's out. It's a good matchup. So I mean, it so many times. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. It's a good matchup either way. That's what's good. You know, that's all you hope for. You know, it's not huge markets, Tampa and Kansas City. I don't think it really matters because you have enough star power. Like you have, I think, arguably the two biggest stars at quarterback right now playing the game like Brady for, for his longevity and Mahomes because he's the next iteration. Like you have probably the two biggest quarterback stars in the game playing in the Super Bowl. Like it's a really easy sell. And I think they're two of the more talented guys. So I, I do get the sense. We'll get a decent game. Where do you think Watson will end up? I know Chicago, I listen to ESPN 1000 all the time. So I know they're, 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 you know, talking about Watson all the time and the odds of the Bears could actually pull him off, pull that off. But where do you think Watson might end up? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm I'm hesitant. And I, I I talked to some of those guys, too, about it. And I was hesitant just because of the situation, the front office situation in Chicago that Watson would be going into. Denver's front office situation is a little bit more in flux, too. Uh, I think the Jets are at least in a position where they feel like for at least two or three years, they're going to have some 
stability in the front office. They just hired Robert Sala. They just, you know, made that move now. So when you're going into a situation where you know, all right, they just hired this guy. They're coming off a rough stretch with Adam Gase. Maybe they're at least giving Robert Sala two years, maybe three. So at least I can get some stability for a couple of years in New York. Now, can you handle the media aspect of it? Like, like that eats up a lot of guys. I don't think it would eat up Deshaun Watson. I think he's a, a, a pretty mature kid, but like that's, that's definitely a question. It's, it's hot, man. That's a, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see like the, the chargers feel like they're set, you know, could Indy be a great spot? Like, I don't know if they, I don't know if that would actually be made as a trade, like within the division. I don't right. know if that would happen. It's the same way I feel about Stafford and the bears. I feel like Stafford would be a good type of quarterback to get into Chicago, but are you going to make an inter interdivisional trade? I just don't think it's going to happen. So like, I, I honestly, like, it feels like New York would be a good spot for him. I feel like you could trade up, you know, if you're the jets trade yeah. the number one pick, don't overthink it. Cause you're going to get a huge haul back. And then you can build on defense where Robert Sala has made his money. And I think he's one of the premier coaches. I don't know about coordinators, although he did a great job in San Francisco, obviously, I think he's one of the premier coaches. I, that was another guy that we spent some time with that. I was just very impressed by our crew had him three times. I had him twice. And both times I talked with him, like I walked away remembering a lot of the things that he talked about his philosophy and, and the guys that are willing to open up about that are the ones that usually get a lot of praise and usually a lot of hype too. Like that's part of the media and the, and the, and the PR of it. I'm not saying he was doing that for that. I'm saying that's the type of person he is and he's an easy person to root for. So, you know, to be as open and honest and candid as he was, I feel like if you give him the keys, I think you could give like, give him the keys to make, you know, some suggestions on what he needs and not have him worry about the quarterback position. Just say, we're going to go get Deshaun Watson. We're going to trade the number one pick. We're going to get, every or i guess number two pick sorry uh, um number two pick uh we're gonna tr- we're gonna get deshaun watson we're gonna trade the number two pick we're gonna get a bunch of haul back we're gonna get a nut we're gonna get two first rounders for him or a fir- you know a first rounder this year and two second rounders let's build our defense and get an offensive lineman from that stretch like i think that'd be a great situation for deshaun watson i think it'd be a good situation for robert Sala. Yeah, that made a lot of sense to me too because I was thinking, like, like you said, New York. You know, as as good as a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence might be, for instance, Watson's already the sure thing, right? Yeah. Like, like you said, you have that hall, the capital. You could kind of potentially trade that and see how that plays out. So. Yeah, and I I think there aren't many players that come out of college, especially in football, where you're just like, yep, that's a sure thing. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence yeah. is a sure thing. Right. He feels like as close to a sure thing as you're ever going to get. So with that being said, if you also have a, an option that's on a similar track with less risk, if you feel like Watson is, or, you know, is, a, is less of a risk than gambling on a potential generational talent, but you can get more back from it, it's a safer play and it's still a positive gain. It's a net gain for the Jets. So I think it's not a bad move by any. And again, I'm not again. I, I keep forgetting like Jacksonville's got the number one pick. I'm saying, right, but right, like I'm saying, like just in in the sense of what you're giving away. If that was the line of, you know, if that's the line that you're on, then you know, like there's nothing wrong with that. You could make the same case for Jacksonville. You could say that for Jacksonville too. Why? Okay, let's go get Deshaun Watson. Trade away the number one pick to, you know, Indy or or another team that really feels like they need a generational quarterback and go get. 
some help for Deshaun Watson and make make a play for that. I don't think it's that I don't think it's as complicated as people might make it out to be. Oh, agree. Yeah, I totally get that. I was curious. You mentioned talking about you know talking with players, coaches, and all that before games. Have you, what, what was it like talking to a guy like Brady? And have you ever been nervous talking to these athletes or media? I mean, I know you're in the business, but I get nervous because I don't want to ask a bad question. Like I'm not nervous to meet. I don't really care about that, or it's, it's I, it doesn't it doesn't register with me because I I see greatness all the time. I'm surrounded by greatness. Like I have championship analysts for everything. I like. Mark Schlereth has three Super Bowls. Stacey King has three championship rings. I'm I've covered guys like I I've, I've called moments for these players, whether they know it or not, that have been monumentous. Like I that doesn't phase me. But what does phase me is I don't want to waste people's time. And when you're as well known as these athletes are, and and you have the stature they do, like time is essential for them as it is for me doing this job, I don't want to mess up by asking dumb questions or coming off as uninformed. Like, and, and you have to battle your own insecurities in that sense. So like when you're more cut, like the third time I talked to Tom Brady, yeah, I'm not, I don't think he knows my name, but I think he knows who we are. Oh, you're that crew. Okay, cool. Yeah. We've talked before. I remember we, I remember one thing from a previous conversation. That's cool. Like that's, that's all well and good, but I think it's, it's more like, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to make it seem like I haven't prepared for this. I don't want you to make, I don't want to make you feel like I don't care about this interaction. I do care about this interaction. I want it to be a positive my time and a positive use of your time. So like, that's, that's what scares me more, especially in like, you know, when when, uh, interviewing Damian Lillard before like game two of a playoff series, like that's, that's a valuable two minutes. It's on tape too. Like these are off the record conversations with Brainy and Arians and stuff like that. But like, would like that's an on-air radio interview. This is an on-camera interview that's going to be somewhere. I don't want it to be. I don't want you to look bad. I don't want me to look bad. I don't want either one of us to feel like this is a bad use of our time. So that's that's what gets me more nervous, quote unquote, than anything else. I feel that because I've been doing these podcasts for a long time with different people, and I've gotten used to them. But I had like a nervous energy before talking with you because I was like, I don't want to waste his time. I, wanna, <laughs> I don't want to. So I was like, but then we started. I was like, yeah, I know he's no, super it's, chill. It's, he seems really cool. And I was well, like, but fine, again, like but. I have to learn that. Like you have to learn that about your subjects in an interview. The same way I have yeah. to learn that too. Like I've interviewed Damian Lillard a couple times now. I've interviewed Tom Brady a couple times now. I've taught. Like I've never done an on-air interview with LeBron. Uh, so right. if like at some point I do, I've have an experience with this guy. He has no experience with me, but he's played a role in a lot of big moments in my career and a lot of games I've done. So I have all this background that he doesn't have. So I'd be nervous talking to him if it was going to be an on-air interview, because I don't want to waste his time, but I also want to establish connectivity and like, Hey, I know you, like we've, I've had moments for, with you, like, uh, trust me, I know you, like, I, like you're almost prefacing these things to make yourself feel like to make this other person feel like this is going to be a valuable use of my time. So it's, it's hard. It's hard for anybody who's in a position to, to have to talk to people. Like, it's just, that's part of the territory with it. You know, makes a lot of sense though. Before I let you go, I have to ask you. So I'm a, I'm a huge ESPN 1000 black up dollar guy. So I know you know them very well. I think you, did you intern under yeah, them or yeah, intern yeah. with them yep. or I intern, okay. I intern under so Abdallah? Yeah, so I was curious just if you had like a quick thing about Black and Abdallah or just I listen to them like every day. They know who I am. I tweet at them all the time, <laughs> call in. So I've, I've I've talked to them on the podcast. So they're they're awesome. But I had to ask you about them real fast. They're just they're just like my friends now. Like I'm I'm it's I remember texting um 
or messaging both of them when they got their, their show made official, uh, you know, in the, in the night slot. And I was just like, yeah, man, like you're, <laughs> this is, this is like, you're a Chicago celebrities now, you know, like I kind of mess with them in that sense, just cause like, I've known them for a long time. I've known both of them for a decade. Like, I, you know, longer than that, almost, like I've known Abdallah for almost 15 years. I've known Black for like 10 years. So like, for me, it's just like watching friends do well. It's honestly, that's, that's my only perception of them now is my friends are doing well. And I'm like, I like them as people. Like I, I know their wives, like I, like I'm, I'm friends with them. And it, so, so when I get to watch or listen to them, just do what I kind of always hoped they'd get a shot to do. And they've worked really hard to do. It's just, it's nice. It's a, it's a satisfying feeling when, you know, the people you're invested in do a good job and they do a good job. And that's, that's really all, uh, that's really all I, I care about is like, they're happy doing what they're doing. And I think they do a really good job at it. Yeah. So like, I don't even know them, but I feel like I do because I interact with them every day on Twitter or in some way. And they're, it's just like, they're, they're like bros without yeah. actually knowing they're, them. So it's really cool. Excess- well, part of the reason I think I'm, I'm sure this is part of the reason I get along with them. So while and we're all around the same age, I'm sure people who are older than me feel that way about Waddle and Sylvie, which I feel that way about them too. But like, yeah, like yeah. I, I'm sure people that are about the same age and like have the same reference points and, and grew up in similar eras or whatever, you're just going to have more connectivity with them. And for me, like, that's what Chris and Adam are. They're just like, they're buddies, they're brothers, like they're bros. Like, yeah. like I've, and I've, I've known them as long as I have, I know what their voice is, so to speak, you know, like I know what that, connective voices like when they're actually on air so like to me it it feels very we're talking about ease and comfort and fit like it's just an easy fit to me for those guys to do what they do now yeah i've been listening to them for the last few years and i I totally see that all the time so it's definitely definitely true well adam this was fantastic this was exactly what i knew it would be like (laughs) with you just chatting with you uh i know it's a long time coming but i really appreciate you putting up with my not trying to bug your DMs, <laughs> okay. but just keeping tabs. No, all good, brother. I'm glad we finally got a chance to connect. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate it again, and hope you have a good rest of the night. And I'll catch you on TV to win whatever games, I'm sure, soon. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Really appreciate Later, it. Later, bro.